swinging the microphone in because YouTube really generally wants to focus on my microphone instead of my face. That is a, an impressive pile of boxes behind my head. I think my wife is trying to subtly tell me I need to clean up my office. <laughs> anyway, hey, what's up guys? Monday night, 9.05. Late? Maybe a little. Whatever. We're gonna do this thing, drink some beers. Well, one, if I'm honest with you. And, uh, oh, look, I can see waveforms when I crack my knuckles. Guys, I'm, I'm dozy right now. Dopey. Kind of tired. I uh, didn't ride my bike to work at all last week because I had an inner tube problem, which has now been rectified. But uh, the long and short of it is today was my first day riding and working and also running. And pfft, I'm not a young man, guys. I'm tired. I just want to drink a beer with my friends. And that's what we're here to do. Because it's Monday night on the Toronto Beer Podcast. Did I say it with me, your host, Chris Schreier? Because that's who I am. And that's where we are. I'm glad you're here with me tonight. If you're watching on the camera, oh, look at that bad boy, eh? This is an attractive can. If you're listening to the podcast, well, I'll tell you. And you read it in the title anyway. Uh, we're drinking 8-track IPA from uh, Radical Road Brewing, a brewery who is dear to me, and yet I just, I don't go in there nearly often enough is what it comes down to. Certainly, I hadn't been down there since the pandemic, and uh, when I walked in today, I was blown away. It's a bottle shop now. Like, it's clearly still the bar, but man, they've done a real good job in there. Really highly recommend them. Uh, like Queen and Leslie, go check them out. Uh, really like them. Anyway, we're going to drink this. Picked up a couple of cans, including they have a seltzer. Haven't tried it yet. Going to get Miss Erica to give it a whirl and I'll drink some of it too. So hot right now. Seltzer's so hot. Anyway, uh, let's crack into this before I fall asleep at my seat. Also, obviously, have to talk about the residential schools news, which is unfortunate that uh, it's happened. It's unfortunate we have to talk about it, but we will. You know I tend to leave the heavier stuff to the end of the uh, the app. So, in the meantime, Radical Road, 8-track, IPA. Not even sure if I've ever had this beer. I imagine I have back in the day. Um, pretty sure they do a yuzu uh, pale ale that I often drink when I'm at the Balmy Beach Club after a rugby event. Um, but then one time at the Six Nations, I had like five, and I had like heartburn like an old man. Because it was too acidic. It felt like I needed like a, an Elka-Seltzer or something. Anyway, did not have that. I uh, did have the heartburn though. Oh look, here are some people. Hey, there's Erica. By the way, my tripod's back, don't worry. Jake Allen's Erica. We got somebody over on the YouTube. Bit of a quiet night tonight, and that's okay. I can live with that. Uh, anyway, what do we got? Eight track IPA. I'm not going to read too much about this. Don't want to know too much. Just going to, you know, the routine. I'm going to stick my smell holes in it. Huh. Mmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, very classic aroma. Piney. Some uh, some citrusiness. Orangey, orange peel, and uh, some lemon maybe. Um, 
something else going on in there. Maybe a little herbal, a little bit of parsley or dill, maybe just a touch. I think just a touch. Uh, it smells great. It smells like an IPA. It's uh, did, did I show you on the pour? That's a Guinness glass. I couldn't have positioned that glass more perfectly if I wanted to. Let's try on the side there. It's uh, it's not perfectly clear, but it's not a hazy boy either. This is looking a little bit more like a West Coast IPA in my books. Um, nice uh, deep amber, call it. Yeah, it's all hops on the nose. Yeah, that little herbal pop. Curious about that. Let's see how it tastes. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Mmm. Welcome to the party, Damon. It is, um... Yeah. That's a West Coast IPA through and through. Piney, dank, resinous, bordering on sticky, but not quite sticky. Way more uh, pine and evergreen on the palate. Hmm. Definitely a little bit of a citrus peel. Harder to distinguish on the palate for sure. But yeah, resinous piney goodness. Definitely some, uh, clearly some sweet malt in that. Nice little bit of balance. Not like the old Ontario Pale Ale, like trying too hard to do all things for all people. But uh, nice little sweet glimmer. Hmm. Hmm. Some tropical fruits too. I mean, remembering that you're dealing with a ton of pine flavor, um, maybe a little pop of mango. Maybe. Mango? Pineapple? Again, I'm trying to unpack things from around a very piney hop presence. This is not dissimilar from, um, why am I blanking? Red Racer. The classic. One of the first truly West Coast IPAs I, I remember having. It's different, but, uh, very much tons of, of actual bitterness on my cheeks. Again, not quite squeaky. My teeth and mouth still feel clean. I bet if I had two or three of these, though, I would wake up tomorrow morning with, like, wicked hot breath. You ever have that? And you burp. You brush your teeth and your face is all minty. And then you, kind of, you stop and you burp and all you can taste is hops. And they're, like, 12 hours old. Yeah. I can relate to that if you can. I've been there. I feel your pain. Mmm. That's a rock solid, though. That's a classic. I think I said this. I had a West Coast IPA a while back. It might have been a Godspeed one. I said, man, you don't run into the West Coast IPAs anymore. Most people, they want to make the East Coast, the New England styles. Hipster, or what I just call New World. doesn't have to be a New England style necessarily, but hazy. All late hop editions juicy, not a lot of perceived bitterness. This is more like what I grew up on, which is say drank for the like last 10 years or whatever, which is bitingly piney, dry, astringent, tons of actual bitterness in your mouth. Uh, this has a first word hop edition, I bet you. It's got a 60 minute, it's got a lot of early hopping in there, but also a bunch in the end, because you do have a ton of the aromatics. Um, like I said, I was getting some citrus, some pine, maybe something a little herbal on the nose. Don't really get any of that on the palate. Again, the bittering hop really worked. It did what it was supposed to do. 
Mmm. Really nice. Let's check the can here. Gonna be an old man. Turn this to the light. 8-track was the go-to method to listen to your favorite riffs while cruising in the 70s. That's true. Uh, we did have a car with an 8-track player way back in the day. I'm not that old. We had an old car. Um, bursting with citrus and stone fruit. Our 8-track IPA honors this era by delivering a fully flavored beer in stereo. I wouldn't have necessarily gone with stone fruit. I'm not getting that. Yeah, lots of evergreen. That's for sure. It's very tasty. Wouldn't have necessarily said stone fruit. Um, that's all the information we get off the can. Tasty beer, though. And like I say, classic West Coast. Makes me remember drinking Dogfish Head and, as previously noted, Red Racer. Those big hot bombs, we used to call them. It was a hot bomb. It's kind of hard to say. Hot bomb, because and but are very similar mouth shapes, but you have to reset between doing them. Hop bomb, hop bomb. It's like a vocal exercise. Anyway, you didn't come here to listen to me do vocal exercises. As noted, we've lost two viewers. So <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Uh, what, let's talk about food. This goes into the classic category. Mm. What do I want with this? What do I want with this? I want my back to not hurt as much because as noted oh, I'm an old man but that's not food guys that's not food so let's in entertain other options mm. we haven't talked about Indian food in a while this is gonna go really good with a chana masala chickpea curry tiki masala if you want if you want to go British style uh, why is that going to work? Well, make it spicy. That's going to be the first thing. And um, the hops, there's a ton of bitterness. And as we often talk about, bitterness and spiciness actually work really well together. The bitterness of the hops clean up the heat of the spice a little bit. But allows the burn to continue. It's not milk. It's not going to make it go away. It just makes you feel better about the fact that your face might be on fire. Um, but uh, a chana masala, a nice red slightly sour curry very salty in a perfect world i like my curries salty especially when they're chickpea curries because chickpeas tend to suck the life out of what they're in so you need to jack all the other flavors but then yeah a bit of lemon juice in there some tomato nice creamy curry sauce mm, doing it for me why well because most of those sour flavors are not present in this beer you have a lot of bitterness, a little bit of sweetness, um, and then some interesting earthy uh, characteristics. Piney and whatnot. But uh, nothing sour whatsoever. So sour and spicy with bitter and just a little sweet, and you're making harmonious moves. But the much bigger thing there, again, is that spiciness with the very, very dry, uh, bitter IPA. This is very good. Mm. Or just eat it with some cheese. I know I always say cheese. Cheese cheese is always the answer with beer. Uh, and this is no exception. This one's going to need a big, badass cheddar. Because it's not a small beer. This beer is not fooling around. Yeah, nice cheddar. Good funk on it. 
maybe even a little gray on the outside. How do you like your cheddar? Most people like it orange and out of a plastic sleeve. I like mine cloth bound and stinky. So that would work well, I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, time to, to have a curry. That's what we should have. We're gonna try something culinarily different. I won't have one of these because it's gonna be on a vegan day, which are also known as non-drinking days. Although actually I have to have some drinks on Wednesday because I'm helping with a project and it's gonna require me to drink. That sounds completely made up, but I promise you it's entirely true. Uh, that said, typically don't drink on vegan days, uh, but I'd seen somewhere, so we like the buffalo cauliflower. Have you ever done the buffalo cauliflower? I know if you eat chicken, it does seem stupid because you could just have buffalo chicken, which is what it's trying to emulate. First thing I want to tell you, only a complete fool would ever mistake buffalo cauliflower for buffalo chicken. There's no similarities. It's definitely cauliflower in there. And if you can mistake cooked cauliflower for cooked chicken, I don't think you're paying that much attention to what you're eating. Uh, so with that caveat out of the way, buffalo cauliflower not meant to replace chicken, just an interesting different thing. My thing is it's just a vessel for hot sauce, um, which I love. And admittedly a tasty vessel because of course nachos are also a vessel for hot sauce also a tasty one but nachos as a meal i mean i know a plate of nachos but i'm just talking about nachos um buffalo cauliflower actually not that much of a meal either now that i think about it yet we do it all the time anyway did i mention i'm really tired this ramble is going to be really disappointing anyway we're committed now so here we go sunk cost fallacy let's do this uh we're making buffalo cauliflower this week, but I'd read something uh, that from uh, for for non meat eaters, but who are missing some of those classic Chinese food, especially like Canadian style Chinese food uh, recipes. Think uh, lemon chicken, General Tao chicken. Um, they all basically involve chicken, and the chicken is always breaded. It's little bits of chicken that have been breaded and then there's a fry and you put it in and you add the sauce and you have these sort of crispy breaded bits of chicken covered in thick sweet flavorful sauces served on rice or whatever i saw things said uh, hey why not do your your buffalo cauliflower in in a sauce like that so we have some store-bought because that's the best uh general tao chicken um sauce that we're going to put on the buffalo cauliflower and i'd be lying if i said i wasn't pretty excited about that would that work with this beer trying to bring this back to the beer podcast rather than just me having first thing that comes to my mind talked about uh would it go well i don't know i haven't tried it yet i'm gonna go with yes but i don't know the haka indian place that we love up in scarborough uh lynn garden so good so good. I hope they made it through the pandemic. Haven't been there in over a year. Anyway, one of their signature dishes is chili chicken, which it transpires is the same as General Tao chicken, except chili chicken has a ton of green chilies in it, but otherwise it's the same sauce. So maybe I'll chop up some chilies and put it in mine and make it into chili cauliflower, which doesn't sound quite right. Certainly not as good as chili chicken. Chili chicken has a really appealing feel as you say it, even if you don't eat it. Chili cauliflower. 
It's that it's not a C-H-C-H of the problem. Ch-k instead of ch-ch. You brush your teeth. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Cauliflower. Anyway, uh, oh my gosh. Did I mention I've had a long day? I've had a long day. But that's okay. Because I'm hanging out with my friends drinking a beer. Speaking of which, cheers. Mm-mm-mm. Some business. Before we get to the big business, apologies. Um... I actually know exactly what happened, and it's stupid, but uh, I accidentally uploaded the wrong episode to the podcast player last week, so you might have gotten a notification on Tuesday that there was a new app, and then you might have listened to it and thought, I think this is the same app as last week, and if it's not the same, it's very similar. You were right the first time. It was the same app. I corrected that problem, I think, on Thursday. Might have been Friday. Anyway, uh... If that happened and you didn't notice, last week's actual app, which was Twin Oaks, I believe it was Twin Oaks, uh, is up, and you can give it a listen. Uh, What happened is I never really remember what um, episode number I'm on, and for some reason last week I couldn't remember if in my file naming convention I put the season or the episode first. Just by the way, it's the season. S6E, the number. Anyway, I accidentally created two files, one from two weeks ago and one from last week, which were both labeled season seven, but because I switched, I mean, episode seven, but because I switched the season and the episode, it wasn't the same file name. So then when I went to upload it, I grabbed the one using the proper file name convention because apparently I'd remembered at that point. Anyway, the point is I uploaded the wrong episode and I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that, but uh, the proper one is up there and it's a good one. That's a good beer. This one will go up for sure, because I've named it properly. TPBS6E9. That's the naming convention. It's easy. Except when it isn't, and you forget, and then you add the wrong file. Anyway, we're going to get the right file up this week. It'll be good. So apologies for that. Um, uh, Any other business? No? No. So one more sip, and then we'll get serious. Hmm. You know, as that warms a little, it's getting a little peachy. Also, I think as I'm getting a bit desensitized to the pine aspect, I'm getting a bit of peach there, which is stone fruit. Uh, So label, I'm going to give you a nod on that one. You're right. There's some peach up in there. I get it. Mm, That's tasty. Anyway, uh, now to the not fun part. Uh, where we have to talk about serious stuff, which is annoying because this is supposed to just be a podcast about beer. But the world keeps being awful and uh, it would just be silly and closed-minded to try and pretend like we operate in a vacuum and that stuff doesn't impact us. It does. Uh, Some more than others, but hopefully everyone is at least somewhat impacted now. And of course, the terrible news uh, is that There was the discovery uh, on a residential school in Kamloops in BC of uh, the bodies of 215 uh, uh, indigenous children who had died there. Uh, And let's be honest, were murdered there. Uh, Maybe not actively, but their presence there was not required uh, and their deaths were completely preventable because if they hadn't been there, they wouldn't have died. Uh, So let's call it what it is. It was part of our... uh, our process of of genocide to remove indigenous culture from Canada, Um, which like literally that was exactly why we did that. Um, It wasn't even subtext. It was text texts. It was, it was heading text. We need to breed 
the uh, nativeness out of uh, out of these children. And the best way, as founding father Sir John A. Macdonald noted, would be to remove them into a uh, some sort of a vocational or residential school and keep them away from their families and parents and the people who love them to uh, make them more like white people. Literally, that wasn't his exact words, but those might as well have been his exact words uh, to make him make make the uh, Indian child, as they would say, more European. Um, implying, of course, that there was something wrong with being indigenous, uh, which is insane, but the nature of racism and uh, uh, where at, where we were at then and, and certainly where we're at now for a lot of people. Uh, the specifics around that uh, story obviously are horrific. It's interesting because they thought, I'm trying to get my numbers right here, they were expecting to find 60-ish bodies, I think, 50 to 60 bodies, based on records, because there were really poor records kept. Um, so the expectation based on, on oral tradition and on some investigations was to expect, yeah, 50, 60-ish uh, bodies to be discovered. 215, obviously, a lot more, uh, which is horrific. Um, that said, uh, tons of public outrage, which is good and should be. Um, it's a terrible thing, and uh, it should be causing outrage. That said, um, the Truth and Reconciliation's final report, Commission's final report, was I think in 2015, uh, six years ago. Um, and it said that at least 4,000 children, 4,000 children had died while in the care, let's put that in quotes, of uh, the residential school system. They also said that that was uh, probably as low as it would be, and it would probably be higher than that. And also that the actual number would be unknowable because record keeping uh, was so poor and residential schooling goes back uh, well over a hundred years ago. So, uh, it would be hard to, uh, get all the details. Many, if not most of the people involved are now deceased. Uh, I mean, in the running of these schools, not all, but most. So we have to go on, uh, on, on oral tradition for the most part. Um, and 4,000 was the number they came up with of, uh, in conversations in, in record keeping of saying, did your family have a child who went to residential school and never came back? And uh, whenever somebody said yes, they would document it. And that's where they got that 4,000 number from. But again, they noted it would almost certainly be higher. When that news came out, some people were upset. Um, but not nearly enough, if I'm honest. Uh, and, and so now with this, my initial reaction, if I'm going to be honest, was... Oh, that's terrible. 215 children's bodies discovered. I desperately hope we do well and right by them. And uh, uh, either through conversations with their uh, their their bands, either repatriate the bodies or possibly leave them where they lie, um, but allow for uh, family members and, and band members to come in and participate in, in a proper ceremony and proper mourning um, as to their needs, not ours, uh, that something needs to be done. Um, but then when I saw what I can only describe as surprise, so many people's reactions seem to be that of surprise, which kind of made me think, well, where have you been 
4,000 kids at least died. There were about 130 residential schools, some notably worse than others and of varying sizes. But finding 200 graves or 215 graves on one residential school um, is a lot, but certainly not out of the realm of what you would expect. Um, so while I'm really glad that a lot of people are figuring this out and realizing how horrible this is um, and how painful and just trying to unpack that level of loss. Um, also, people have been telling us this since 2015. And if we're honest, indigenous people have been telling us this all along. We just haven't been listening. Um, so on the one hand, I'm really glad that a lot of people, this has struck a lot of people. Uh, this is a problem that needs to be addressed. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm thinking, how, how long did this take? <laughs> like, people have been screaming this from the rooftops, and I guess, I don't know, maybe the numbers were too big, it was too hard to process? I don't know. I, I don't have answers to this. This is me just thinking out loud, trying to unpack some of what I've been thinking. Obviously, it's horrible, and I was upset by it. Um... And again, when it's specifically there's 215 graves at this school, it's one kind of mass grave site. They weren't, you know, laid out in the way we would think about graves uh, by by Western standards, which is what we were supposed to be instilling. Um, that that's, I guess, maybe an easier. That's an easier idea to, to reconcile in your brain like actual bodies in the actual ground versus data collected 4,000. But I think for me, there was just a lot of frustration that I'm like, yeah, it's terrible. And it has been for a long time and we need to be doing better. If this is the catalyst that we start treating indigenous people better and taking their concerns and the, the generational harm we've inflicted on them more seriously, then great. I don't want to take away from that at all. Um, I think it's just, yeah, so frustrating that I'm like, yeah, I know, right? It's awful. How are we only just figuring this out now? Very frustrating. Anyway, with that said, um, what can you do with that information? Well, for one, probably, especially if you're um, what we would call a settler, like myself, a non-Indigenous person, sit with it and be really uncomfortable with it, because you should be. It's awful. And unless you're indigenous, you are directly implicated in this. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. But we are implicated because of our role as a settler Canadian now. Our existence, our history here is directly tied to that. And we can't escape that. Uh, we can't say, well, I'm a good person. I'm woke. I give to charities. I go to marches, whatever. That's not good enough. Um, you have to accept the fact that your existence here in this land is because of that sort of action. Could we have done it differently? Absolutely. Did we? No. So we have to live with that. So sit with it and be very upset and very uncomfortable. That's a good start. Uh, but to only do that doesn't do anybody any good. Uh, what needs to come from that then is a change of behavior and a change of understanding and some real tangible actions. I need another sip of beer. So what can you do? Well, 
have you read um, the, the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report? It's not short, but it's not that long. Uh, you can easily do it, and it's freely available on the internet. There's also the TRC calls to actions, which were, I think, 94, if I remember correctly, uh, specific calls of things that need to happen in Canada to make life more uh, uh, equitable for Indigenous people. Uh, and some of them are things that you and I as individuals can't do. They're systemic. But what we can do is require our government to make those steps important and top priorities to be dealt with now. There are steps that we can do as individuals. Plenty. So read the, the calls to action and think about how you personally can implement some of those calls to action in your life. Um, I was going to say it's not hard. It's also not easy, uh, but it's very accessible. And at least in many cases, it will cost you nothing but your time and your emotional investment in the situation. Beyond that, if you're one of the lucky people who's been working this whole pandemic, uh, saving money on not going on holiday, uh, you know, doing well, give money. Uh, give, give enough money that it is uncomfortable, is what we would hope. Uh, identify a charity or charities. Uh, they could be local, they could be provincial, they could be federal, whatever. Working uh, specifically to improve the lives of Indigenous people, especially around things like addiction and harm reduction, um, which are directly related to the generational suffering that was inflicted by residential schools, right? So many of our stereotypes and tropes and really, let's be honest, racist assumptions about Indigenous people aren't about Indigenous people in a vacuum. They're about behaviors that we inflicted on Indigenous people. And residential schooling was a giant part of that. It wasn't the only part, but it was a huge part. So look for charities that are working in, in addiction and uh, working with survivors, survivors of sexual and uh, physical violence. Uh, and yeah, the, the children and grandchildren of people whose parents and grandparents were irreparably harmed by our system. Um, and give them, as I say, enough money that it's uncomfortable. And you are the only person who can figure out how much that is, but it should be uncomfortable. Do that. If you are in a position where giving any amount of money would be more than you can reasonably do right now, that's fine. That's totally acceptable. We have just gone through a crazy year and like almost a half now uh, of a lot of people in a really tough situations, losing work, uh, losing pay, uh, in really, you know, insecure set situations. If that's where you're at, that's fine. Do the first part that I said, which is really important. Read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report. Read their calls to action. Start implementing them. And then look into the same charities that I would counsel you to give more money than you can comfortably do. And instead, see how you can give of your time or your skills or other resources. Um, giving money is great, but it's not the only way to get involved.
And if you really want to do something, um, I was going to say token, that was more harsh than what I meant, but that's along the lines of what I mean. If there's, if there's something you want to do, um, ceremonially, perhaps might we say, um, you can offer tobacco or sage if you feel comfortable doing that. If you feel like you're appropriating something, that's cool. Um, but if you have experience and, and connect with that, I would definitely recommend, uh, offering some, uh, the other thing is you can leave a pair of shoes, uh, if you live near a residential school memorial, uh, you can leave a pair of shoes there. And if not, head on down to Queens Park and leave some uh, shoes on the steps of Queens Park to remind uh, our government of their own responsibilities in the situation. If you're listening to this and you're in Ottawa, leave them at the House of Parliament. Yeah. If you're if you're not in Toronto or Ottawa, leave them at your city hall. Leave them at the stairs of a church especially if it's Catholic or Anglican uh, in your area. Uh, leave shoes to commemorate the children whose lives were taken uh, in an effort to try and eradicate an entire people group from our country that we did. That's what you can do. And if you want to make your social media picture orange, go for it. I did that too. Little things like that can actually help as long as you're doing the bigger things too. So if you need to do something like that, those are great options. Do the big things too. And then those little things will have a lot more value for you and for the people around you. Okay. So that's what we need to do. We're going to stop it there. I could probably talk for another hour. I could talk for longer than an hour pretty easily about things that we need to be doing better in terms of our relationships with indigenous people. But Let's start there, and uh, if you guys want, let me know. I'm happy to talk at length. Uh, so with that in mind, that's your homework. Uh, the other thing, if you want to check out this beer, as I said, we're drinking 8-track IPA from Radical Road. I didn't even tell you my origin stories with Radical Road. Good golly. Oh, hey, Beer and a Bozo, you've come in right at the end, pulling what we call the Ben Johnson around here. Uh, I knew Simon and John back in the old days when they worked at Black Oak and they brought in a whole bunch of whiskey barrels to make their first batch of candy, man. And they gave me a bottle and it was real nice. And I really liked that beer. And I've been following their success ever since. But as noted, I haven't been into the brewery nearly enough. I need to do better at that. The problem is they're close to me. It's just there's like six breweries that are closer uh, that tend to get my my patronage. So my apologies, Radical Road. This A-Track's banging. And I'll forgive you for the heartburn I got from the Yuzu because that was clearly my fault. Nobody should have five pints of beer before noon on a Sunday or a Saturday or whatever day it was. Anyway, my bad. But uh, this is delicious. Check them out. They have their address here. Uh, 1177 Queen Street East. Just remember, it's Queen and Leslie, or just west of Leslie. Easy to see. South side, nice big black storefront, big Radical Road logo on it. Love that. Um, not too far from a really nice sushi place. It's a great little strip, actually, where they are. Um, just down the road from the Remarkable Beans Leslieville location. I live 80 meters from their beach location. So a lot of simpatico to that neighborhood. Really like them a lot. And uh, yeah, check them out. Like I said, whole brewery. They've taken all their tables out. It's, it's a bottle shop now. They just have tons of good looking stuff in there. 
it's just as well I was on my bike and only had my mail satchel because I could have bought a lot more stuff while I was in there. So yeah, swing in, check them out. Oh, and they were setting up. They're getting a, a roadside patio. Uh, so they've got their, their barriers in place, getting ready for the, uh, the go-ahead. And certainly when that happens, it's time to have some patio beers, guys. And they would be a great spot to support with that. So check them out. Check out the 8-track. Like I said, they also have a seltzer. I had... Um, I already had one of their beers tonight. I had this guy. This is a single hop. It's just this hop on the label. It's made with uh, HBC 586. Whoo, fruity, a little herbaceous. I liked it. You know what we say, single hop uh, beers like that? They're testing the hop out. I'd say they, they succeeded. It was pretty tasty. So check out my buddies at Radical Road. So good. And... Uh, Oh, yeah, heavy stuff, but uh, at least if you do nothing else in the next seven days, read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's report and read their calls to action. If you do nothing else, nothing else, do that. And uh, yeah, take it from there. Uh, I'll be back next Monday. Nothing's on, nothing special, nothing important. Who knows what I'm going to do? I don't. I'll figure it out. I got seven days. But until then... Take care of yourself, take care of the people you love, and take care of each other out there. And uh, I will talk at you, yeah, in seven days.